Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why does making friends as an adult feel so what hard? What should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a foreign But that Why hookup was not good. What so do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. My Super Bowl Sunday was a black hole. Okay. We were like having brunch and then going to a bar close by. So I was like, I'll stop in for like an hour, wait until Usher because Usher is my Super Bowl. I'll leave after halftime, have a drink, and then go home. Is that not what what you did? Okay. I was at this bar for 10 hours. 10 hours? I stayed until... They started karaoke at 10 p.m. It was like a black hole. My friend's hair caught on fire. And then she lost her keys, so she had to come sleep on my couch. It was like the black hole of a night. Is your friend's hair okay? Yes, it was fine. We are many margaritas deep. So it was one of those where it was like, sure, of course my hair is on fire. Why not? But then, like I said, she slept on my couch. My couch smells like burn. Ironic. Thanks, Usher, for the pun. Honestly, that's the level of inebriated you want to be when your hair's on fire. Because then you can calmly deal with it. If I was like dead sober and my hair was on fire, I would be freaking out. That's so true. Honestly, maybe we should all just drink more in the case our hair catches on fire. That's a precaution we can take. It's fire safety. For sure. Anyway, I feel like the Super Bowl now is like dead gone over but yeah. for our audience for you guys listening to fill you in and then i were like is there anything that we want to chat about pop culture and then i got on a tangent about my vortex of a night welcome back to the Evergirl podcast we have such an awesome conversation for you today that i'm so excited to dive into but before we get to that emma share with us the ask the Evergirl of the week okay this week's ask the every girl is i'm feeling really lonely How should I deal when everyone is busy with life and kids and work? Okay, I definitely feel like this is like our age of loneliness where we are all behind our phones. We're all busy. It's hustle culture. It's like all these things are reading loneliness. So I feel you, listener. You are not alone for sure. The first thing I want to say about this is that being alone and lonely are two very different things. The feeling of loneliness actually has nothing to do with who you are or are not with. So that's why, like, you can feel lonely when you're with certain people or you're in a crowded room. I have found that actually being with the wrong people is lonelier than being alone. I actually think that loneliness is just a state of being separated from self. It's when you are not connected to self. Obviously, a lot of people associate loneliness with just being alone because they use connection to people to kind of avoid or distract 
from their lack of connection to self. So that's why when they are physically alone, they feel lonely. For me, like I felt lonely when I'm with the wrong people. So like I think of in a previous relationship, I remember going to dinner with this guy and feeling lonely at dinner. Mm -hmm. And looking back, I realized that it was because I was in some way ignoring my authenticity. I was ignoring myself when I was with him because I knew in my gut this wasn't right for me. This wasn't my true self. So that's my thesis statement. I think that loneliness is not about our relationships with other people. It's a feeling of being separate from self. So when you are really, truly full of self, when you know yourself, when you feel deeply connected to self, your actions are in line with your authenticity and you honor your authenticity, then being alone does not feel lonely. Mm -hmm. So my first piece of advice to this listener would be to probably do the opposite of maybe what you are asking with this question, focusing on your friends being busy. Don't focus on other relationships. Get to know you. Figure out what you love. Enjoy spending time with yourself. Foster your relationship with you like you would any other important relationship in your life. And I think that's the key to no longer feeling lonely. It's not about mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with other people. It's about feeling connected to self. I've definitely experienced that too, feeling really lonely in a crowd. Like mm. I, in college, would be around a group of 20 plus people surrounded by hundreds of people all the time and could feel really lonelier than ever. And I think that has to do with not being surrounded by the right people. That's when the feelings of loneliness come and the intentionality comes from knowing yourself and what you want. 100%. I think it's all about being, A, connected to yourself, like getting to know yourself, knowing how you enjoy spending your time, knowing what you're interested in, what you love. And then it's being really authentic in that. The feeling of loneliness is almost a really good barometer to how connected we feel with self. Are we around other people where when we're with them, we find ourselves feeling lonely or off? I think that's a sign that like emptiness that is just the feeling of loneliness is really saying we're empty of self. We have abandoned ourselves in order to be with these people, whether it is like they're not the right people to be around, whether it's we have to act differently to be around them. But I think the same goes to time spent alone. When we have that emptiness feeling whenever we are alone, I think mm -hmm. that that's a sign that you are unaware of how to be in the empty space, how to be alone, how to be right. without people distracting you. It can also be an indicator of boredom as well or indecision maybe. I like that you bring up boredom because that's a really good point too. I feel like boredom is also kind of the same way. Like when you feel really connected to yourself, I don't think you feel bored. A lot of people like can't handle the stillness and I think right. it's because they are so disconnected from self that stillness almost is uncomfortable because it's having you confront some uncomfortable truths that you want to distract with TV, with your phone, with friendships, with being out. So being still, what other people would look at as boredom is just, I think, an important thing that we have to do. So you live alone. You're actually a good yeah. example of what a lot of people associate lonely being alone. How do you feel? Do you ever feel bored? Do you ever feel lonely? When I first started living alone approximately six months ago, I felt like definitely lonelier than I have in a long time. And I had to realize what that was a function of in 
society and the world a little bit, I think, rather than placing all of the blame on myself. When I first realized, oh, I'm feeling kind of lonely, I had zero self-compassion. And I was like, I should have made all these friends by now. I should be surrounded by people. What's wrong with me? And then I was like, hold on a second. This is my advice to this person is really to be patient with yourself when it comes to either bringing people into your life, being more intentional about the time you're spending with other people or getting to know yourself more. Don't beat yourself up for feeling lonely because as much as we talk about loneliness and are starting to talk about it more, I think there's still a stigma. And so be patient with yourself. Give yourself a little grace because beating yourself up for it is not going to get you anywhere. So what you're saying is the loneliness for you came from almost like this comparative cultural idea. Like when you are on social media, everybody's out with friends and has so many friends. And like, so it looks like we're all supposed to have friends and relationships and all these things. So when you don't feel that, that's where the loneliness comes from is because you're like, oh, I'm supposed to have all these things, but I don't. Right. It's really interesting to hear your perspective of like you identified where that I keep calling loneliness emptiness because I think it gets really confusing when we're talking about loneliness because that's how it gets so associated with being alone. Right. Obviously, sounds like it should be. But really what the feeling is, this emptiness, this feeling like a soul FOMO. You know what I mean? It's like a, 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 a FOMO, like really deep in your soul. I love that. I like that that on the trucker hat. It's not like you're flipping through your phone. You're like, oh, my friends are out. Like, I wish I was there. It's like this deep feeling of the rest of the world is in on something that I'm not. So you had to address that emptiness feeling by realizing where that actually was stemming from like this comparison thing in your core. You know, I love being with myself. I love myself. I work on that relationship. And I know that other friendships will come. And other relationships will come. But it's like the rest of these outside opinions that are on you that is causing the empty feeling. We've tackled that. I feel like we can wrap that with a nice little bow. Work on yourself. Loneliness is the feeling of disconnect from self. But with that being said, relationships and community and that feeling of connection to other people is such a key part of life. As human beings, we are meant to depend on other people, to laugh together to feel connection. It is necessary for our health. So I also hear what this listener is saying that it sucks when all your friends get busy and don't have much time for you. It sucks to be in your position where you move to a new city where you don't have friends. Like it sucks. It sucks. Yeah, and like, like, let it suck a little. So true. Let it suck. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love your advice. You had to tackle it within yourself, but then you also had to get kind of honest and be like, okay, What I want is to have connections and I want to have friendships. So let me solve that issue. Let me seek that out. It's the action part of manifestation. I know this is what this listener was asking is how can I deal with it when everyone is busy with kids and work and life gets busy? I would say for the friends who really fill your cup, the friends who are worth the investment, Sometimes it is just about shifting to their terms. Maybe you're used to going out to drinks or brunch together and they don't have time to go out. So you feel like you haven't seen them. So instead of just not seeing them because it's not your usual routine, ask how you can support them. For example, if they're busy with kids, maybe they would love for you to come on a walk with their baby or go with them to the park and you guys can catch up while the kids are on the playground. Maybe if they're super stressed at their job, 
You're like, let's FaceTime on your way home. I want to hear about the proposal you're working on. And then let's get massages to celebrate when the project's done. It's like shifting to what would be most supportive for the friend who is going through such a busy life change, reaching out to these friends. Like, I would love to see you more. I miss you. How can I support you more? Rather than adding another to-do list item for them. Like I have definitely had friends who I feel busy and stressed and I feel like I'm like just getting by and I have friends reach out and be like, oh, I haven't heard from you. Why aren't you talking to me more? And then it just feels like a burden rather than, wow, this friend is here to support me and I really want them in my life and they'll be there for me. I just feel like friendships should just be for fun. They should just yeah. be like the connection the joy going through things in life together. So I think being really aware of what your friends need rather than what you need is really key to keeping those connections going as you feel like your friends' lives are changing and evolving. But sometimes people really are just too busy to keep up certain relationships and those relationships are not a priority. So you end up growing apart and that's totally okay. That's mm -hmm. part of life. Like not every friendship is meant to last forever. In that case, seek out connection with people yeah. who are in a similar place in their lives to you. If you feel like all of your friendships are in a different place where it's hard to relate, you should have someone to go out on Friday night with if that's what you want to do. If all your friends are busy and can't hang out on a Friday night, tend to the friendships that are worth investing in other ways, but also go find friends that will go out with you on a Friday night. We had an amazing episode with Danielle Bayer Jackson, who's such a great friendship coach. So Listen yeah. to that episode for finding tips on making new friends. Yeah, I was going to say listen to our episode with Danielle because that one, honestly, it changed my life. I'm not did it? How did, did it I... change your life? That was in the stage where I was like, oh, I should be making friends. Like, um, oh, yeah. People. <laughs> yeah. Forgot about that. What she said about the time it takes to feel really connected to someone. You know that concept of like parallel play? What's parallel like when two kids play separately but side by side? You should be parallel playing with your friends. And by parallel playing, I do mean doing nothing next to them or working side by side so that you're spending time together, but it doesn't need to be this high effort thing. So meaning like, hey, we both work from home. Yes. Do you want to go to a coffee shop together? Yes, exactly. Low-key like habit stacking. Because then that makes the connection feel deeper when you can kind of be almost like off around them. Yeah. Is that the point? Yeah. Wow. Well, and it's just a way of building up that time together without having to be going out for drinks or sh shopping together or whatever you like to do. What are other examples? Like going on a walk and catching up counts because you're yeah. going to work out class together. together. Yeah, is a great example, I think. Whatever your day is filled with, your friend can be there. College is such a great example of that, where you yeah. are constantly existing around your friends. And to me, like those were the deepest friendships of my life, both for the friends, but also I think probably because of a lot of that, you're just going through life together near yeah. each other, next to each other, around each other, in addition to having intentional friendship time. So right. how we can bring that into adulthood yeah i have gotten significantly less lonely by realizing how important face-to-face one-on-one connection was for me and then really just putting myself in uncomfortable situations to connect with people ended up working i think you need to be patient with yourself and i think 
you have to actively connect with people, say, can we have a standing coffee date, go on a Bumble BFF date, join a book club. Like I joined a book club that is mostly women over the age of 65. What? Why is this the first I'm hearing about this? That is the most precious thing I've ever heard of my whole life. It's the best thing ever. And these are not friendships in the way that you may envision friendships when you're feeling lonely. But the point is, get creative about how you're connecting with people. That's a really good tip. Well, I hope that was helpful. I'm feeling very connected. So let's get into our episode today. Like I said earlier, I am so excited for you guys to listen to this one. You're going to love it. Unless you live in Iraq, you have probably seen Naz Perez before, either interviewing your favorite celebrities as a correspondent on Hollywood's biggest red carpets or in her monthly feature on The Today Show. But Naz has a fascinating career with so many different pivots. She was a producer on The Bachelor franchise before becoming a host, and more recently, she founded Heartbroken Anonymous, a virtual and in-person support group for people facing heartbreak of any kind which she defines as any form of loss or emotional distress. So obviously that means a breakup, which is what most of us think of when we think of heartbreak, but also a friend breakup, unrequited love, being let go from a job, miscarriage, losing a pet. Basically, we are all dealing with a little bit of heartbreak pretty consistently, and Naz wanted to help. So to be honest with you guys, I wanted to have her on to talk about her tips for heartbreak. I thought it was a really helpful topic for right after Valentine's Day on theme with like our love and sex themed month. And we definitely did. She shares some really fascinating insight into loneliness, which we also did in this intro. So (laughs) hello. And some great tips for healing. But surprisingly, the main topic of this conversation became manifestation and achieving your dream life. You guys know how much I love this topic. I know you guys love this topic. While I was talking to her, I realized that Naz is a master manifester. She is the perfect example of how to get to where you want to be in life using mindset and intentional action. She had so much great advice about reaching your goals. I heard from our team that they were rigorously taking notes on her tips. I'm going to give you guys a little teaser right now, okay? She talks about having certainty beyond logic, why a no was a blessing, and how to add things in real life to your cart. I have never heard these tips before. You guys are in for such a treat with this conversation. Let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Naz Perez. I have been so excited to talk to you. Welcome to the Every Girl podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. This is like the best way to wake up. (laughs) And you're drinking a matcha, a girl after my own heart. Oh my God. I've been making my own matchas lately. My friend's recipe, it's just water, coconut oil, raw honey, and then matcha powder. So there's no milk in this. Highly recommend. And you put it in a blender. If you like matcha, it's so good. So the coconut oil is what makes it frothy. Yeah, like milk. Frothy, yeah. That I don't is genius. like dairy unless it's the weekend, but yeah. yeah. Good. Save your dairy for the weekend. Do you have a favorite matcha you like? You know, Alfred, are you in LA? Yes, I'm in West Hollywood. Okay. It's not a thing. Okay, so Whatever. Alfred, I don't love their coffee, but their matcha powder is amazing because it's ceremonial Japanese matcha. Okay, Naz, well, I have so many questions. I want to talk about heartbreak, vulnerability, love, relationships, all those things. But first, I want to give our audience some context. So going way back to your childhood, would your childhood self be surprised by who you are now in the career you end up with? 
Absolutely. I grew up in South Florida to Latino parents. My parents are Dominican. I'm Dominican American. I just grew up in like the most scarcity mindset. And so I just can't believe how much I had to break through internally to get to where I am. I grew up in a house where every day I heard the phrase, we can't afford that. We don't have money for that. When I think about where I am today and how I live my life today, which is totally not of that mindset, it's abundance. Everything is coming to me and everything I touch turns to gold. And I, I truly can't believe where I am today. And I probably can't believe where I'll be five to 10 years from now. Just continuing to push through those limiting beliefs, which we always have to do all the time because they're so ingrained in us. But yeah, I'm really proud of how far I've come. How did you get out of such a lack mindset growing up to not only be successful, but to have a huge amount of success? Oh, well, thanks for asking that. Well, let me just preface by saying I, I'm not rich. <laughs> I'm rich in life, but I think I just want you, to you seem like you're doing okay though. Like career wise, <laughs> you're you're fine. You're okay. I am thriving is our natural state, a hundred percent. I just didn't want to come off to someone listening who doesn't know me. Like I'm like some influencer yeah. living at Beverly Hills and a game. <laughs> because that's not my experience. That's not the but, um, right. But I hate and love beating this drum. Like I'm Latina and and when I looked at red carpet reporters and people that were doing what I do, aside from Roxy Diaz, who I eventually got to host with, who I love, I didn't really see anyone who was Latina doing what I did. No one, you know, with the last name Perez was producing stuff and hosting stuff. I think what I did and what I attribute my success to is the mantra, why not me? If someone has to have the job, why shouldn't it be me? And I studied Kabbalah and my amazing Kabbalah teacher, David Guillem, says this all the time. And I just want to share this with you and your listeners because it's so powerful for me. He says, the only difference between you and Elon Musk is that Elon Musk thinks it's easy to go to Mars. Human body parts. And so if you can just really shift your mindset, if someone has to have that job, if someone has to hold that mic on the red carpet, why can't it be me? And I think if you just really attack life in that way with momentum, nothing can stop you. And that's why Elon Musk is just a regular man that is literally taking us to space. Oh, that's so good. So many people, if they were to ask themselves, why not me? They have a negative answer. You know, it's like, because I'm not educated in this, I'm not pretty like this. But at the end of the day, through this podcast, I've met so many people. There's no one I've met that I'm like, they are the smartest, most brilliant person in the world. They were born like that. What I've learned, and I'm sure you've learned this too, it's just been decisions that got them there. And we all have that chance to make decisions to get us where we want to be. Yeah. And like Andre 3000, who was an outcast and he just dropped, a, a, he's so incredible and conscious and all about healing the world. And he just dropped a flute album. Like it's an album of him just playing the flute. And for years he went MIA, like people would post videos of him walking around Japan randomly playing the flute. But there was a video on social media I saw recently where he said, it's really just timing and momentum. And I think that trumps talent. There's so many talented people out there. So if you're listening to this and you like have a talent or have a desire that you really haven't gone for, you need to create that momentum. You need to start doing things in the direction of where you want to go. Even if that's like, if you want to be a poet and that's like writing a couple of words every morning, you need 
the timing and momentum and like you were saying, the decisions you make. But I think it's also just starting and doing it. And believing why not me. I would love for you to walk us through your career trajectory because you've had like 10 lives at this point. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) So many lives. This is something I need to work through. But, you know, when you go on a date because I'm single, and you know, people are like, so tell me how you got to where you are and I'm like oh my god I literally don't want to feel <laughs> like I hate this question and not not in a way that I'm not proud of it and not in a way that I'm like so humble and modest it's just it's a lot but fuck yeah I'm proud of it so here we go so I out of college got an internship on the Ellen DeGeneres show I moved to LA was sleeping on my mom's friend's kid's toy room like on an air mattress making nine dollars an hour at Ellen Eventually got hired there as a PA, but I really wanted to be like the next Juliana Rancic. Juliana Rancic was a main anchor on E! Entertainment. She was like the main red carpet reporter next to Ryan Seacrest. So while I was at Ellen, I drove to E! one day, just randomly looked up the address and I was like, hey, where's HR? (laughs) Because back then, Instagram was like in its real big infancy, you know, when we had three filters and it was like sepia tone and people posted random photos of trees. I walked in. Handed them my resume, got a call from them months later to be a production assistant for Live from the Red Carpet. So to be Juliana Rancic and Ryan's PA, which was really scary for me because I had a permanent job at Ellen. I officially got hired as a production assistant and my parents have never really uh, helped me financially. So I've always been on my own since 2008. And I just decided to jump. E was only a three-month gig. So I worked at E for three months. Worked it live from the red carpet. Then that job ended and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to move home. I have no money. I was reading GQ magazine about a designer downtown that was dressing athletes to the nines. And I actually majored in broadcast journalism at UCF in Orlando and I had a sport business minor and I loved sports. I originally wanted to be a sideline reporter before I decided I wanted to go into entertainment. So I called this designer, I interview him. And then I start this blog called sidelinestyles.com where I was covering what all the athletes were wearing. Basically, I was a girl that was doing like the fashion side of sports because I felt like no one was doing. So then that website kind of blew up. And then I got a call from the Style Network and they're like, we need a girl to cover the ESPN awards that knows athletes but knows fashion. And I was like, oh my God, I found my niche. I'm the girl that does this. I don't know anyone else that does this. And so I was 23. I had no agent, had my first red carpet gig. It was just crazy. A lot of synchronicities happened that day. But eventually I landed a semi-permanent contractor gig at E! Working in another department called True Hollywood Story. So E! was making these like True Hollywood Story documentaries. Iconic. Iconic. Like we and I learned how to make a documentary. And I was working on a lot of those teams and a lot of those documentaries. We all got laid off at the end of 2014. I was watching Juan Pablo's season of The Bachelor right before then, and everyone's watching reality shows now. And even though I really wanted to be a host, like I really had to pay rent. So just the easy logical thing was like, I got to get a producing job so I can pay my rent. But the only job I really loved was The Bachelor. And I had a friend that lived in the building with the line producer, and I asked him to get a meeting and pitched myself and ended up working on seven seasons of The Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise. The Bachelorette worked there for two years. And then I left because I was like, this is amazing, but I want to be a host. And I've lived in LA all these years now and I haven't really given it a shot. So I started hosting for the Dodgers. I went to a massive casting call for Fandango. Fandango had acquired Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes blew up and I got that job. For the last three years, I got to dip into E! Live from the red carpet on camera. So it was like a major full circle moment. I have a segment on the Today Show that I do once a month with Hoda and Jenna in the fourth hour, which is fun. 
And then I'm sure you and I will talk about where Heartbroken Anonymous fell in that massive journey. But I hate when you interview someone and they just talk, 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 because I'm always on your side of things. So I'm just going to shut up now. But yeah. <laughs> okay. I just, there are so many things. First of all, quick thing. I went to Rollins College. So right near oh UCF. Great. I'm, yeah. Rollins. I loved Winter Park in Rollins. Was Knight's Library there when you were in college? Yeah. Knight's Library was like the club to go to. I don't know if you knew this. So UCF, University of Central Florida, were the Golden Knights. Or we may just be the Knights now. I don't know. It's changed a bunch of times. Yeah. But two alumni opened a club called Knight Library so that when you paid for drinks at the club, your parents would think, looking at your credit card statement, that you were actually at a library. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so why. Yeah, I've always thought that that was so genius. <laughs> oh, my gosh. For yeah. everyone listening, Knight's Library, it was like the place if you were going to have like a night night. You know what I mean? I had many a crazy night there. I love <laughs> I knowing love that fact, too. Should we, should we dive into that? That seems really interesting. <laughs> I mean, you know, that could be a whole other podcast is both of our nights at Night Library. Going back to your career, now that we have Orlando out of the way, the Orlando of it all, what I think is so interesting about your career is I feel like there are so many times where you went out and got something. I think a lot of people are waiting for the right job to come up or the right opportunity. I just think you're a really great lesson in manifesting being in action. And then all of these amazing opportunities came to you because you put in so much work to get there. Is that how you feel that you almost like manifested the career that you have now? I, I love this question and I don't want to lose audience members because I'm a 6'2 in human design. Human design is like how you're energetically programmed. And I use human design to make a lot of my decisions in life. I'm a 6'2 generator, which so is Obama and LeBron. I am supposed to wait for things to come to me and then respond to them. But the 6'2 has three different phases in life. The first 30 years of your life, it's like trial and error and experimentation. So I want to answer your question in so many different ways. I just want to preface that because that's just personally how I think. It doesn't mean it needs to apply to you. Studying Kabbalah, I've learned that having certainty beyond logic is the key to really getting to where you want to go. When I look back at everything you just said, I had so much certainty beyond logic. Logic means why not me that you and I were talking about. I was just like, no, I am going to get on E, you know, or I want to work on Ellen or I'm going to get this. I think the key to life is just having certainty that whatever is going to work out is going to work out. There were so many things that I didn't get along the way. Like I wanted to be an NBC page so bad. NBC has a page program. If you watch 30 Rock, they have like this program, like special interns and you work on SNL. And now I'm on the Today Show and I have pages walk me in and out. You know, they escort guests, walk me in and out of buildings. And I just think to myself, I, I remember I didn't get in and I was devastated, Josie. Out of college, I was like, this is the ticket. This is what's going to make my... And it's like, you can't decide. You have to just let it go. Trust that the universe is going to take you where you're supposed to go because I didn't get it. But then I got Ellen instead. I think just having certainty beyond logic and that momentum that I was talking about earlier too, just creating momentum. So driving to a place to hand them my resume, they could have never called me back. But I was still creating that energy. I was still telling the universe, this is where I want to be. You put me where you think I should be because you know better than I do. But I'm just going to help you out. Does that make sense? Is that like completely loaded and crazy? <laughs> no, I'm literally so in love with that answer because I'm so interested in how people manifest where they are. But I think a huge piece of it is people view it as like, 
I'm making my vision board. I'm writing things down. And I love what you're saying, which is I'm putting out the energy. So it's not even about like, oh, I'm going to take the action step. So I'm for sure going to get the job. I'm taking the action step. So I'm building this momentum and building this energy that will get me to my end goal. Like all the little in between might look a lot different than I expected. You might not get the page program, but the end result is always going to be there if that's what you really want, as long as you're building the momentum to open yourself up to the universe, whatever word people want to say, like you're opening up that energy to catapult you to the end destination. Right. And to add to that, I love how you phrase that. You have to put in 100% in whatever you're doing in whatever direction you're in. So let's say you're in a job right now that you don't love. You need to give that 100%. You need to put all your energy into it. And if it's not meant to be in your life, it will fall away. I promise you. Abraham Hicks says this, make a decision and line up with it. It's the doubt and the worrying and the not starting that will keep you stuck. So good. It's so true. Mindset is everything. So let's dive into Heartbroken Anonymous. Where does that come in? Thank you for asking. I love talking about this. In 2017, I decided I wanted to leave The Bachelor and become a TV host. It was a really dark time in my life because I was making a lot of money being a producer on The Bachelor. In fact, I ended up leaving with nothing. A lot of people don't do this. A lot of people are like, find another job and then leave your job. I can't even believe I was like that brave. (laughs) You have to agree to go on the next season. And I think I had to make a decision. It was either like commit to this for two to three months or say no and leave space for something else to come through. So I remember crying. I've cried in so many offices. I remember crying to the office, to my boss. This always happened to me. I remember when I left Ellen for E, I was crying in the office and they were like, you could work your way up to be the next genie. And genie was a receptionist at Ellen, but she would sometimes be on camera. When Ellen would surprise fans at their home, genie would be with a mic like somewhere else. And and there was always, I think I just want to share that there was always like this dangly carrot. Dangled the carrot. Yeah. It's so easy to stay and believe in that, but it's not your dream. If it's not your dream, a hundred percent. It is a no. I had some type of dangly carrot like that. Like if you stay this season, this will happen. And I was like, no. So I was unemployed. My parents actually called me and asked me for money for the first time in my life. So that was like terrifying. And I was like, man, did I make the right decision? I really want to follow my dream to be a host. Should I be helping my family? I was making a lot of money on this show. And I was dating this guy, which when you work on a reality show, you're never home. That show shoots all around the world. And I was just like, so happy to be dating someone, but I didn't love myself. It was toxic where he would text me a couple days and he had a toothbrush at my house. And then there would be a couple days where I wouldn't hear from him. You don't love yourself. You're putting all your eggs in someone else's basket to rely on them for your happiness and validation and all these things. And so I'm going through that relationship and it's feeling like obviously very anxiety inducing. And I get a knock on my door from my neighbor and she was crying. And she was like, I really need someone to talk to. I know we don't really know each other. <laughs> you worked on The Bachelor can I come in? And I ended up letting her in my house. And after talking to me about it, she was like, I feel so much better telling you about this because I can't talk to my mom or my sister about it. And I was like, why? And she's like, they're going to tell me to move on or that I'm so much better off without this person. But I'm not really ready to hear that yet. This light bulb went off in my head when she left my apartment. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. We're more willing to tell a stranger how we actually feel than our own friends and family when we're going through heartbreak. And then a couple 
months later, I got blindsided by that guy I was dating because I was so in this delusion of like, we're together. I love him. To this day, I don't have long-term really relationship experience. I've been in a lot of short-term relationships. And so I'm feeling heartbreak for the like a 16-year-old heartbreak at 26. And I was like destitute. I literally couldn't sleep. I had no appetite. I didn't want to get out of bed. I started Googling, how can I make this feeling go away? Like it was so bad. And I came across all this research that states that the same part of your brain that lights up when you're going through physical pain is the same part of your brain that lights up when you're going through emotional pain. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Going through heartbreak can feel like a gut punch to the stomach. Why is it that like, if I stub my toe, I can go to the doctors and get a doctor's note and call my job and say, hey, I can't come in. But if you're going through heartbreak, you have to wake up and resume life as is. And then I Googled the definition of heartbreak and I was like, what the fuck? The definition of heartbreak is overwhelming distress. We think of heartbreak in the United States, at least, as like a girl getting dumped by a guy or a woman going through a divorce, crying, running through a box of Kleenex. And I'm like, that's not heartbreak at all. Heartbreak is having a miscarriage or losing your dog. It's loss. It's grief. It's depression. It's loneliness. At the same time, the U.S. Surgeon General, Vivek uh, Murthy, who's one of my heroes, he was a U.S. Surgeon General under Obama, and he proclaimed the United States to be in an epidemic of loneliness. For everyone listening who doesn't know what the U.S. Surgeon General does, it's basically the doctor that the president uh, appoints for their four-year term. And what they do is they travel around the United States and proclaim the health crisis that the country is going through that they're going to tackle during that term. And in the past, I'm sure Josie remembered that it was like obesity or drugs, like the war on opioids and all this stuff. When Vivek went and toured the country, it was loneliness. And I feel like that just wasn't sexy. So we didn't hear about it as much. But like America is lonely. And that doesn't mean that you live alone because I live alone. There's a difference between solitude and being lonely. But people don't feel like they have spaces where they can go and share and feel supported. How can we be more of a community? That's how like we survived as a species. There was one more point I wanted to make, but I have like morning brain right now. I forget, but it'll come to me. I mean, there's so much science that I've talked about on this podcast, how loneliness is one of the biggest disease drivers. And Mm -hmm. on the flip side, connection. Is that what you're going to (laughs) say? Yeah, I was going to say, thank you so much for the best, is that a U.S. Surgeon General found that lacking social connection can increase your risk of a premature death equivalent to smoking packs of cigarettes a day. And yet it's like, go to the doctor, work out, eat vegetables. But no one's like, make sure you have a close, connected community of people you can go to and share your pain. That's not even a part when we're talking about wellness and health. Mm -hmm. Typically, connection is not even part of the conversation when science has proven that it is one of the, if not the most important factor in our health and longevity. So you're kind of like a doctor, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You said it, not me. I think what's so cool and what I've noticed is that we can heal each other. We just don't use that power enough. It's so true. So long story long, I went to AA meetings, went to Al-Anon meetings, studied their format, and I created Heartbroken Anonymous, which is a support group for people that are heartbroken, experiencing overwhelming distress. It's not a 12-step program like AA is. It's literally just a support group where people come and share stories of heartbreak to remind themselves they're not alone. What's so unique about Heartbroken Anonymous is that it's for people of all ages, all walks of life, all genders, all sexualities. It's not like just a women's group or just a men's group or just a young person's group. And it's not just romantic heartbreak. It's anything 
for me, the the idea really stemmed from every time I'm in New York and I'm on the subway, I'm always looking around and I'm like, who are these people? What are their lives? No one talks to each other. What would happen if everyone on the subway talked to each other and had a conversation? And that's literally what a heartbroken anonymous meeting is. And it's magical because you see people walk in as strangers and leave as friends. But you just feel like this safe, non-judgment place where you can just be, you can just be heartbroken and no one's feeding you advice. And you can just be around people that feel the same way you do. And you can remind yourself that it's actually not that bad. What a hugely empowering experience to sit with human beings and share your pain. I know that you're such a big proponent of therapy. We love therapy. But to be with other people, to be in a community I feel like it's something that is completely missing from our entire culture. That experience of being in a community and sharing pain, where do you get that? Where do you get that? If I'm hungry, I can go to the grocery store. If I want to read, you can go to the library or night library, LOL. You know, like if I, <laughs> if I want to work out, I can go to the gym. Where the fuck do you go when you're heartbroken? That's why I created it. And there's such stigma about heartbreak, too. I feel like there's this idea that you're weak. If you feel like you can't get out of bed, if you're not eating, if you're having trouble concentrating at work, rather than it being like, wow, this is a normal shared experience for us to go through loss and tragedy and heartbreak. There's no sick day. There's no your heartbreak day. Like, oh, if you break up with your boyfriend that you're devastated by, take a few days off. I love your definition of heartbreak, that it's grief, it's losing a, a loved one. But in the way that you lose someone where you're going through grief, you're also grieving a relationship and you're grieving a version of you. You're grieving a version of your future. You're grieving someone that you considered that person you're with all the time. Like a breakup is really hard. And when you yeah. go to your friends and family, they are really easy to be like, you're better off without them. Don't even think about it. You need time to grieve. And it's okay to be in that definition of heartbreak, that like immense distress. Our culture has almost been like, keep your heartbreak to yourself and go on with life. Yeah. And it's almost empowering to say it out loud. Everything you're saying is just so poignant. I had like so many thoughts as you were talking. So many people come to the meetings for friendship breakups, which is crazy. You friendship know, breakups are so tough. Navigate because they kind of just fade. It's like your friend doesn't really call you and say, hey, thank you so much for being my friend. <laughs> We're done now. And I've been on both ends of that. I have friends that I don't hang out with anymore. It's also grieving the loss of an idea, right? If you had a dream to open a restaurant when that didn't come to fruition or you feel like your dreams aren't coming true or unrequited love is a form of heartbreak. I wanted to create a space where everyone felt like their heartbreak is just as important because there's no measurement stick to pain. I remember someone came to a meeting. He was an older gentleman and he was like, I've been grieving. I thought I was going to marry this woman and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. And that was like over 25 years ago. And he was so embarrassed to say it out loud to his friends. I just wanted to create a space where it's that person's reality can feel validated and feel comfort and catharsis and knowing that it's not stupid. <laughs> if there's any way to get him out of that and healing that, it's to say it out loud and to proclaim it and to remind himself he's not alone. Because when we're dealing with heartbreak, we tend to think that remember Charlie Brown when he had like a cloud like over his head? We tend to think it's just happening to us. And it just goes back to that phrase of like, if everyone in the world threw their problems in a pile, you would grab your own right back in two seconds. That's so true. There's this aloneness that comes with pain 
When in reality, it's like if we're all going through pain at many times in our lives, if not like a little pain constantly, wouldn't it make sense for us to collectively share so we don't feel like Charlie Brown with the cloud overhead? I am part of something. I am heard. I'm seen. So at these meetings, it's for everybody. Men come. Is it mostly women, though, or is it pretty equal? Pretty equal. Wow. It's it's pretty New York subway. I mean, (laughs) that's the best way to describe it. It really just is reflective of the human experience. I'm really interested by the fact that so many men come. That really honestly surprises me. I think women are a little bit more openly seeking connection. Like I talk to my female friends about everything. You know, like I will share something bad that happened at work, something good that happened at work, relationships, breakups, family drama. But then I look at my boyfriend's friendships and some of them are like really deep. But a lot of times, for example, one of his friends will be going through a hard time and I'll be like, oh, how how is he doing? And he was like, oh, I think good. Like we didn't really talk about it. I was like, what? You didn't talk about the main thing that he's going through? Yeah, you know, like it's, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I just think that we do men such a disservice because they're so trained to hide their feelings, to only talk about surface level. So I'm really surprised in a great way that so many men show up wanting to share their pain and be vulnerable. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because if you think about it, who needs it more than them then, right? If you look back, women, when we were little, we were like in a sandbox talking to all our friends and little boys are kind of like off on their own and playing like Lair or with trucks and stuff. And so, yeah, when I look back at that, there's so many men that have come to meetings that say, I'm going through a breakup, I'm grieving, but all my guy friends are like, congrats, bro, you're going to save so much money now, or like, she's crazy. (laughs) Totally. And and no one's actually really supporting them in that way. But yeah, I love, thank you for bringing that up. I love that HBA is one space that hetero men feel like they can go to when they can't rely on their friends for any type of heartbreak. It's incredibly hard to talk about pain. Showing up, especially to like a room full of strangers, you don't know what to expect. What do you think inspires people to open up and be vulnerable? Thank you for that beautiful question. Sharing is encouraged and not required. So for people that are scared about sharing, you can actually just come to a meeting and listen, which I think could be healing for you and other people because you're lending your ear to them. A lot of people come and they're like, I'm not going to share. I don't know what to expect. And then once that first person shares, You just feel so seen. Our pain is so personal. And the more personal your pain is, the more universal it is. And at the end of every meeting, everyone always says, I connect with everyone here. I have felt that. I have felt that. I have felt that. I have felt that. It's almost like you don't even need to speak. It's like the space in itself and being a piece of the space is healing. Yeah. So you've obviously seen your fair share of heartbreak, both working at The Bachelor, I'm sure you saw quite a lot of heartbreak in your personal life and then in Heartbroken Anonymous. I feel like you are the heartbreak expert at this point. So (laughs) I want all of your tips. What behaviors or mindsets do you think makes heartbreak feel worse for people going through it? Like, what should we avoid doing? I'm so reluctant to answer that because I feel like you have to move through it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I don't uh, resonate with the word avoid because that makes me feel like heartbreaks like there's a picture of this big thing in front of you, like going around it. And I think the only way is through. So if the way through for you is hiking a mountain and screaming at the top of it or journaling or uh, laying on the couch today, because that's what's going to make you feel better. You should listen to your body and do whatever is right for you. But 
strongly encourage you to surround yourself with people you feel supported by. And if you don't feel supported by the people in your life to go to a heartbroken anonymous meeting. And of course, HBA isn't in substitution for therapy. I love therapy. I think everyone should go to therapy and get professional help. This is just an additional resource, of course, to feel less alone. I think you got to listen to your body and do what's right for you. I can share what's worked for me which is going on nature walks, getting out in nature always makes me feel really small in the best way. Like if I'm walking around the lake or if I look at the beach or I just like lay in the grass or look out my window and look at the sky, that always puts things into perspective for me. I love journaling and I love turning things into art. So channeling that heartbreak feeling into a poem or singing, I believe from Cher in the shower, like really loud, getting it out and moving through those emotions and releasing them, not keeping them in. I would avoid trying to go around it <laughs> and I would avoid keeping your emotions in and I would get it out so that you can heal. Yeah. Sometimes the answer is just to feel and that's yeah. the answer. I really love this answer because thinking about friends I've had in the past who are going through a breakup and they are texting the ex-boyfriend every day. That's something that I'd be like, don't do that. That's not going to help you get over it. But then you saying that made me think maybe that actually, even though I would be like, that's going to make it worse for me, maybe that actually did release it in some way for them. So everybody's on such an individual journey that it's really hard to judge the place that other people are in when they're going right. through something like loss. Right. I'm in just such a non-judgment zone when it comes to this stuff because it's not my responsibility to take someone's journey away. If your friend texting that person you think is toxic or bad, that's a lesson that maybe they need to learn. I don't feel like it's my job to get in the way of people's processes and journeys and lessons. I think it's just my job to be a friend and be supportive. That's so true because like I've been the toxic person going through breakups and doing very toxic things, but it it was the journey I needed to go through and I needed to have that happen to be like, whoa, okay, I can now step back. I've said everything I need to say so I don't have regrets and that helped me move on. I, I want to know your tips for confidence because for people listening who are going through a heartbreak, whether it is a romantic relationship that ended or whether it is, you know, a job that they didn't get or a layoff, I feel like that can come with both a loss of sense of self and then also that rejection that kind of is like the perfect equation for losing confidence. Do you have tips for how to get confidence back after a heartbreak? Yeah. Oh my God. I love your questions. I love good questions because this yes. is what so I really appreciate and love this interview. I, uh, I worked with Peter Krohn, who is the mind architect. Highly recommend following Peter Crone on social media. I'll also highly recommend following Arosha, A-E-R-O-S-H-A. She is like my Jedi, my coach. The mantra that I rely on is there is only one you. So you could not not be more important. There's a little of that. Only one of you. And I think you need to always remember that. I fucking hate rejection. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it in romantic container. I hate it in my career. It is the worst. Rejection sucks. But I always come back to, I could not not be more important. I'm, there's only one Naz. If a job doesn't pick me or someone I thought I was going to be with was going to be with me, they lost out on Naz Press. <laughs> like, and I feel really bad for that person. And that's what you have to say to yourself. And you don't even have to feel bad. That's kind of low vibration, right? Nothing's personal. Maybe it just wasn't a fit. Everything's just not a fit. Take nothing personally. 
10 times easier said than done. But just remind yourself that you could not not be more important and that there's only one you. And if you have to write that on the mirror, just be excited about being you and be excited about discovering the unraveling of you and everything that happens, good or bad, you're just learning more about yourself. And if you can just become obsessed with yourself, (laughs) not in a toxic way, but in a way where it's just like, wow, just start naming things. I love how I show up for my friends. I love that I let that person go in front of me in the car lane. I love that I'm such a good worker. I would kill to have me as an employee. Hype yourself up in any way that you can and just remind yourself that there's only one you. And I think that's the best way to just remain confident. I believe we should all be absolutely obsessed with ourselves. It's also kind of a little bit of like the, it's so cheesy, but rejection is redirection thing. Like when you wanted to be a NBC page and you didn't get that. And now years later, here you are as the person that the NBC page is helping get to the stage because you're the talent and you're the one that's on the show. If you had gotten that, who knows if you would have been where you are now. You got here because of the path that you were on. If you get rejected, then that's because that there's something else that is more you. Yeah, yeah, totally. You can't get it wrong and you never get it done. You're always going to have more desires. Like I went to my friend's birthday at this sick house in Malibu. Imagine just like the most amazing house. And I was talking to the guy that owns it and he was like, yeah, like we built our dream home, but now we're going to build a massive retreat center in Mexico and we're leaving it all. And it's just such a reminder that you're always going to have desires. Because I'm like, wow, if I had this, I'd be like, I'm done. Yeah, you never want anything else. (laughs) But it's not true. You think that that's what'll happen, but it's not. We always want more because that's how we grow spiritually. And just as people, the only reason you ever want anything is to experience joy. That's the only reason you want anything, any job, any relationship. And so if you can just experience joy now, Abraham Hicks says this, if you just have fun now, then you got to figure it out. If the journey is your goal, you're having instant success. What I say all the time is the only purpose of life is to enjoy it. That's the only purpose. So if anything you're doing isn't bringing you joy, then you're missing the point. The other tips from you that I am dying for are tips for dating after heartbreak. How do you learn to trust again? I feel like it's almost hard to trust yourself. Like that's what I hate about cheaters is obviously like cheaters are assholes and it's kind of like you'll never trust them again, but they're a cheater anyway, like whatever. I think the worst part about it is that you learn to not trust yourself because you thought that this was a worthwhile person to be in a relationship with. So what are your tips for dating after heartbreak and trusting again? I think trusting ourselves is an ongoing journey of life. I don't think it's like a quick fix. Like here are five things to do to trust yourself. I think like till the day I die, I'm going to constantly be put in situations where I'm tested to trust myself. I think if you know yourself, then you can trust yourself. So the tip would be to get to know yourself on a level that is just, you need to be an expert. I am an expert on Naz Perez and not change or shift in order to fit somewhere. I am the morningest morning person you will ever meet. I love getting up at the sun. I will get up at 5 a.m. If you're like, let's go hike at 4 a.m., I would be down. And so I just know that about myself. So Not to say that this would be a deal breaker, that I would never marry someone that isn't like that. This is just a stupid example of this. So just take this stupid example and apply it to a macro level. (laughs) I need a guy, right? If it's my goal to be with someone or I know that it would make me so happy to be with someone that's a morning person. When you date someone (laughs) and they are like, I get up at four every day. Know yourself. Just know (laughs) 
yourself. And then the trusting comes secondary, right? If you know yourself, you don't even have to trust yourself. You just know yourself. So you know that's going to bother you. If it's the love of your life, marry them. But like, I think, I think just like taking every day to be like, oh, I really like this, or I really enjoy this, or I like being driven around. I like driving, but I really love when my friends drive. I really love getting picked up on dates. Start writing things down that you really like. Rachel, my um, Arosha, my Jedi and coach, she always says to add things to your cart that you see out in the real world. So I saw two people in the parking lot at the grocery store, like making out, or if I see two people at an airport, so sad to leave each other. I'm like adding that to cart. I really like that. I want I someone love that. I want someone that's going to like drive me to the airport no matter what time it is and just know that about myself. And so then the trusting, like I said, is secondary. When you're dating, it makes it so much easier to navigate. We've seen it on Millionaire Matchmaker where they'll tell Patty like everything they want in a person and she'll set them up with someone that's all of that and then someone really hot and everyone always goes to the really hot person. So so true. You didn't know yourself. I love that idea of adding to cart what you see in real life and noticing the things because I think it's so easy to be like what do I want I want someone that's nice I want someone that's funny like it's easy to like put together some generic list of what we think we want or what's important to us but when you see things in real life I see this couple at the airport and I'm having a reaction to that I want that that's a different feeling than like yeah someone is nice and has a good sense of humor and all these other things that just feel more obvious and not actually true for us specifically and writing that down. When you see something that you really like, it's not to feel lack. It's not to say, oh my God, I don't have a guy driving me to the airport. It's to get really excited for that's coming. So instead of like, oh, I don't have anyone to pick me up. This sucks. It's like, oh my God, I can't wait. Yeah. Right. It's mindset. Okay. I know we got to wrap up. So we're going to wrap up with some quick rapid fire questions. Your favorite depiction of heartbreak in a movie or TV show? The opening monologue that Kate Winslet says in Nancy Myers's movie, The Holiday. I've experienced unrequited love a lot. And I feel like unrequited love isn't taken seriously when you like someone that doesn't like you back. People don't consider that heartbreak to be serious. They're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, that's the real feeling people feel. And so if you just listen to that opening monologue or you Google it and read that paragraph, I'm like, wow, I have felt that so many times and has made me feel so seen. So that's like my little nuanced version of heartbreak. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorites too. Your biggest starstruck moment. Oh, that's such a good question. The Rock and Brad Pitt. <laughs> the Rock, I, I just oddly, not even oddly, because he's obviously incredible, like The Rock for president, but I <laughs> obsessed with him since I was really little, actually. The two people I was obsessed with the most was The Rock and Larry David. And when I got to interview The Rock last year for Black Adam, it was like a major day for me. And Brad Pitt's just like staring at the sun. So that's... No, I wouldn't be able to look at him. Oh my gosh. And you were one of the first to get an interview the entire Barbie cast, right? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously I'm obsessed with Margot Robbie, Issa Rae, Kate McKinnon, America Ferreira. What's amazing is they're, they're just like the best. Seems so nice. Oh my gosh. You've had so many cool moments. I have no bad stories. Everyone's always like, who was the worst? I'm like, literally no one. I've never had a bad story. (laughs) Very love to hear it. Last question a book that changed your life. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. If you're into stoicism, if you don't know what stoicism is, Google it. But Marcus Aurelius was a stoic from back in the day and all sort of the lessons that he learned. And like we said, the obstacle is the way. That is how you get to where you're going. So mm. me, I should probably crack that open. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to go through some stuff, but yeah, that's the book I would read. 
And Naz, where can everyone find you and join Heartbroken Anonymous? You can find me on Instagram at Naz Perez, N-A-Z-P-E-R-E-Z. You can follow Heartbroken Anonymous at Heartbroken underscore Anonymous on Instagram or heartbrokenanonymous.com if you want to join some of our meetings. I'm doing a collab with Open Mindfulness Studio. They are like the -the state-of-the-art coolest mindfulness studio. And so there's also an app called Open that if you don't live in LA, highly recommend downloading. There's meditations, breath work, sound flow classes. It is so incredible. And in February, there's going to be a heart and heartbreak series in collaboration with Heartbroken Anonymous. So you're actually going to get to learn the science behind love and loss. And they're going to have new meditation and breath work series navigating all matters of the heart designed by experts in relationships, neurobiology, and mindfulness. So Whoa. Um, if you're going through heartbreak, we are here to heal. And I'm so excited for this collaboration with Open. So genius. Wow. So genius. Naz, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all you're doing too. Thank you, Josie. Thanks for having me. And I can't wait to share this. And just thank you for all your time and effort and energy. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I sure did. If this episode gave you any value or you're liking the show in general, please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really makes a huge difference for our show so we can keep growing and bringing the content that you love. If you want more info, you can find us at The Every Girl Podcast on Instagram or theeverygirlpodcast.com. Talk to you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.